When was the last time you saw Lennon? Dude, uh, about a foot ago, it seems like. <laughs> um, this was uh, when y'all came up for uh, skiing. To go snowboarding and skiing? Yeah, two years ago. Two and a half? No, that was, that was probably... Well, maybe. It, was about, it wasn't that far because we, we were... It's only we only skied another <laughs> year and then we left. I think I'm just gonna. He's taking his legs off, Lennon. Mine's right here, Lennon. Yeah, you totally get it. Oh, that that feels good. Does that feel better? Man, it does feel better. I gotta be honest. Feels like fucking amazing. So, you think he was a foot a foot shorter? Yeah, he's tall. I mean, I'm damn near looking at him eye to eye. <laughs> Do you, Lennon? I think that you're taller than Charlie now. Well, technically, minus the mechanics, right? It's a leg joke. It's not cool, is it, Lennon? Make fun of somebody's disability. Anyway, so it is really good to see you, dude. Um, it, I think it has been. I think it was probably three years ago. Um, that was Lennon's first. Uh, <laughs> hardcore skiing and mean, the we, dude was going like 90 miles. i couldn't keep up with him on a snowboard i can't keep up with him now and it's uh it's a little uncomfortable dude like he hauls ass dude we, we do you we, just not care he just just hit it yeah yeah okay yeah he uh well he's on skis man it's hard to keep yeah, up with I get it. it's hard I to keep it. up with 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 um with it with anybody on skis yeah um, when are you gonna grow up and do a board uh, never Oh, okay. Why do you say that? Yeah. Why would I want to? I don't know. His okay. sister started to snowboard last year, and okay. she crashed all day. Yep, that's what you do. Which, which I told her that she <laughs> needs a... What was that? <laughs> I told her that she needed two days two days of crashing um, before she can actually have any fun. Yep. But I, I, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure that that's the number. Um, it's funny because there's a singular moment you're like, wait... I'm controlling this. I'm controlling this, and yeah, that's when it's fun. Well, and the, and then you you end up tell, you end up telling people on snowboards it's easier the faster you go, which is the opposite of skiing. Kind kind of. I mean, it's it's kind of true of skiing too. But with, with skiing, you can say now let's let's make a pizza and let's go right. slow, and you could do that all day long. If you did it on a snowboard, you're going to crash all day. Long. You have to. You have to go speed. You yeah. you you you. you uh, yeah, you you absolutely have to pick it up, um, but anyway. So you are um, where are you working these days? Now I work full time at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. This is where I started in two thousand five uh, in air medicine um, from Mississippi, and that was the job. There was one aircraft, and there's a thirty, forty, fifty people always apply to try to get onto it. Yeah, and. Um, or that's a whole a hospital hospital based hospital based yep and the aircraft is parked at the hospital and i got i got hired my boss told me at the time that it was a lack of options <laughs> um but i i knew that i wanted to do that when i was in paramedic school and i, I remember going to my my boss like my 2b boss and i said how can i get on here as soon as humanly possible and we wrote down like seven things she gave me like you know do research or do something that makes you different, you know, marketable, and make sure you have these certs. And and when I got interviewed, about two years, two and a half years later, I'm sitting there, and they like they say, okay, well, look, you're you 
are just barely from a, um, a, a career standpoint old enough to, to get the job. Why you only have two years experience. Why, you know, why do we shoot you? And I pull that piece of paper out and I was like, well, there's seven things here. And if there'd have been 20, I would have done 20 things. I should be here because I've done everything you told me to do. And I've done it in, in with excellence. And, and I, it meant a lot for me to be here to just to be, you know, be considered. So I appreciate it. And what year was that? 2005. That was months before Katrina. So in two, in 2005, you said, this is what I want to do. More and like 2002. Or a couple, year, a couple years before that. You said, this is, this is what I want to do. I want, I want to be a flight paramedic. I want to work on that helicopter, this place. This is what I want to do. Yep. Cause at the time I was trying to, I, I, I wanted to go to med school. And so I went to a college that would, you know, be, that has a good, you know, um, rec- track record for getting folks into med school if you do well. And then I, I, I didn't get into med school. And so I was going to do something else to try to build up my resume to try to get into med school. And then while I was there, I mean, I wanted to do good grades. So mm-hmm. then I started thinking, well, how do I be the best at this? And then you watch these guys in these blue flight suits walk by and like, and people just got out of their way and they just did like these amazing things. And I was like, yeah, how do I do that? Yeah. That's when we're talking about that last night, dude. We were talking about that. We, I was talking with Lennon last night about something, not not about medical stuff, but it's kind of two different kinds of people in this world. There, there's there's ones that say, well, I deserve this. Why don't I have it? And then there's a much smaller group of people, at least it seems like anyway, who, who do what you just said. Yeah, this is what I want to do, and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to – to get it, so that's that, that's badass. What what was that? What was that first helicopter that was there? They had one helicopter back then. Yeah, what, she was pretty. Was she was uh, uh, Bell two thirty. So it's basically like the two two two. Oh, I thought uh, it was a two two two. Well, it it is. is it, 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 the two thirty is really just it was a little better engine and that kind of thing. It's it's a two thirty or it's a two twenty two, and um, but like the the exact one was a two thirty and it just had a little bit better engine and this particular one they they in the think they're called sponsors i'm such an ignorant uh aviation <laughs> yeah worker uh but like where the the wheels would retract they changed those out for bigger fuel bladders and so um or fuel um um tanks right and so we got longer range so and then we had to put the skids on but yeah she was gorgeous man it was uh it was basically airwolf and that was 2005 i and then of course i think I, I get this job and i think i got everything figured out i got the patch I got the job, everything's going great, and the Katrina hits, and I realize I don't know. I know very little of what I really should know. I and mean, that, and it, how far is that from you? Uh, I mean, that was. I mean, I, my family. I grew up on the coast, on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, in Gulfport, right there on the water, and Jackson's an, uh, 155 miles. And so, when when it hit, I wasn't on shift. I came on the next day, but when we were in. We is were that, at, is that oh it right there? Oh man, there she is. I mean, that's a that's a blurry version of it, but yeah. Oh, I see. So so instead of landing gear, it's got the skids on it. Yep, yep, that's her. And uh, oh of course, this God. right here is, is our. There's two two helipads there. The funny thing was, we had uh, Bush came into town, and of course, they locked down they locked down a, a trauma room. You know, like anytime the president comes in town or VP. Right. And okay. so the two weeks before that, I'm done with a flight. I'm charting. And these two guys in suits who clearly were secret service were walking around and they were just kind of sticking their nose and stuff. And, you know, I kind of detected that they were doing something and they, the, 
they kept calling each other gentlemen and thank you and sir. And it was just really interesting. So when they came up and they said, excuse me, um, the uh, helipad, and he was kind of tiptoeing into, I was like, oh, it's rated for 12,500. And they were like, okay, thank you. And I was like, Marine One won't fit on it. And he stops, kind of looks. Oh, no. You know, he, and, that's and, crazy. Uh, yeah. And I just, I just figured out that that's probably what they were trying to figure out is they could fit Marine One up there. What was it like flying in that? 230 did it's you a did, Cadillac was, I mean it, it obviously if you're a child of the 80s I mean that's the first thing you think of but yeah. but what's it like inside of it she's a lot of, a lot of room um, we could fit two patients there pretty easily and, and when during Katrina we were taking two patients we'd land and we just put two sick people in there intubated both I mean for a while they were all intubated no no way yeah yeah and uh, we'd, we, one of us would bag one of us, which was a horrible idea now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's horrible. Um, but the uh, a lot of room. One thing I do remember, of course, in stark contrast uh, of the air of the the um, air conditioner that I have, that I fly with right now, that air conditioner would toss little ice chips at you. And she was cold. It was nice. Yeah. It was cold in the, you know, she kept you comfortable no matter what part of the year. It was big. I mean, I always take my legs off in the aircraft. Um, and I, I could get, I could just move around in that thing if I needed to. It was, it was a lot of room. What kind, how would you fit two patients in? What, what would they be on? So, um, the, the one seat, the seat where, all right. So if I'm on the left side of the aircraft, but facing backwards, that's where the patient normally goes. That's where we have our litter that comes in and out mm-hmm. next to that, where, what we call the working seat, the, or my partner always called the nurse seat. That's a whole nother series of jokes. Uh, that seat folds flat and we have just another kind of like a bench opens up of, of some yeah, sort. foldable structure. Oh, that's so badass. Yep. And I mean, my, I would take my legs off and fit between those two. And so we yeah. put the head down there, uh, and this patient's head was up here. And so I would just be down there ventilating and into whatever else we had to do. That's insane. Mm-hmm. And so you're, you're working at university and this is 2005, you, how long? How long did you work there back then? I worked there through early 2010. 2010. I just, yeah, we had started our first um, remote base, and so that was in Meridian. So that was the 2009 to 2000, you know, ending in 2010. Uh, that's when I met you. It was 2010 because I moved out to Oklahoma. But right, right. And so, what 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 was the out, outlying base helicopter? What were they flying? We had a 135, and. Uh, we had PHI was our vendor at the time, and they were great. They took good care of us. The um, so that's a tight fit in the back. I know, I know that smaller. that's big compared to like a Bell two hundred six or an A star. It actually is big, but compared to a two twenty two or two thirty, yeah. And it, and you're talking about so I mean, bizarre. You're you're talking about like a foot here, a foot there. I mean, literally, yeah. it's it's in, like a, a couple feet. You're like, oh man, I got all the room in the world. In that in that in that particular one thirty five. The two seats in the back faced one another, and then there was one that you're at the head of the uh, the patient's head, mm-hmm. and uh, it was tight. I mean, the 135s we yeah. have now, we don't we're, 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 we took one of those seats out, and we don't even have that extra mm. seat. Do you did, did that 135 have a stretcher or a sled system? It some had, of them had a stretcher. Yeah. It was a stretcher. That's pretty cool. Which was pretty cool. And, and yeah. <laughs> although uh, you know, there's every piece of equipment has learning curves, and on that uh, on that roof that we saw a second ago, there's these lights that are um, opposite of recessed. They just kind of sit a little bit above the the landing lights, and uh, that wheel on that stretcher is pretty small. 
and oh, if it catches, fit now. there was once that I turned and this with or wheel, without a patient on with it. the patient. Oh God! Taps that <laughs> that light, and then I saw this patient's head right up here, and we caught him and and safely got him down. But that's terrible. Good that, learning curve. That, that, that's, Idiot. That, that, that's terrible. <laughs> and so and so you're right. I was in Florida, um, and uh, I think you came here for something cooler. I came here for a practice marriage. What brought, what brought you here? 2009, 2010. Uh, it must have been 2009. Had to have been. Late 2009. No, I mean, I got here. I remember I was. it was 2010. It was like was January it? Okay. 4th okay. 5th. Yeah, yeah, that makes more sense. Okay. Yeah. I uh, I was the base manager of, of that first remote base, and, and I had to make a tough decision. And uh, I moved out there to try to make a Olympic, Paralympic berth, uh, try to play for Team USA Volleyball. And so what, what does that have to do with Oklahoma City? Oklahoma City is where the Paralympic uh, volleyball team trains. That's the training site, Olympic mm. and Paralympic training site. And so par- Paralympics, what, what is the definition of that in, in terms of how it coincides with the Olympics and like timing and, and the sports? Like what, how, do you, how do you define that to people? That's a great question. And the, uh, one of my coaches said once perfectly, I think, he said, if you want to talk about the Paralympics, the Paralympics is the second largest tournament on the planet. And I was like, oh, that's a really good way to say that. The Paralympics happen in tandem with the Olympics. And a matter of fact, it used to be the Olympic Committee and then the Paralympic Committee. Well, now it's the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee. So over the last 13 years, man, watching watching the explosion and inclusion of the Paralympics as true sports and, you know, it's been pretty cool to watch. But the Paralympics itself, you have to have some type of disability. And each each sport has their own system of rules and, and that kind of thing that mm-hmm. either includes you or excludes you. And uh, But the Paralympics is hold once, you know, once every four years with the Olympics. I mean, it's the same. Same timing. Almost, so- yeah. So the Olympics comes in. They do all their stuff. And then there's like a one-and-a-half week, two-week cleanup where – the yeah. the USOC people that run that work in Colorado all you know for four years. Well, they're out there for about three months uh, on the front end and back end, getting everything done and cleaned up. So, um, but it's the uh, same time, big same big production. People ask, um, you know, what what some of the best features are, and it, whether you're Olympic or Paralympic, you usually have the same answer. It's it's that that tunnel walking through the tunnel at opening ceremonies. You've already made it. You've already done all the good stuff, and now you're just you, you. You don't have to worry. You're not competing that night. It's just one. You're just walking out with that flag, and oh man, I, I don't think a lot of people know about that. So, so is it is it? Um, what's the comp? How does the competition feel to you? Were you already an athlete when you were younger with other things? I was. I played baseball, and I was good for a while, and then um, I, I I wasn't in a position where. Um, uh, I just, I just didn't, I, just, I apexed. I got, I got as good as I was going to get. And that was it. Yeah. And that was frustrating. It's frustrating for any athlete. When you get to mm-hmm. that point, you're like, well, dad going, I just wasted all this time. It's not wasted. Cause you, you learn a lot, obviously with sports, but, um, I, somebody turned me on to it. Uh, I started running really was what it was. I ran, a. they put these racing legs on me and I ran like, you know, just to, I was going to just jog and, and just stay in shape. And I ran like a, I think it was a 544 mile. Um, and the, I mean, they videoed you say it. a five, oh, a what? Yeah. 544 mile. Uh, they videoed this and then they, uh, they, they, uh, this was like a Tuesday 
And then on Thursday, this is back in Mississippi, and I get a phone call from uh, some my, my ex-wife says, like, do you know anybody in Colorado Springs? Like, no. I answer the phone. It's like, yeah, hey, this is so-and-so and so-and-so with USA Track and Field, and we, yeah, we basically want you to start training full-time. I was like, no, no I got a job. And, and they're like, no, you, it's okay. You run a circle anywhere. So I started running. I started, I trained for like a year and that got me into, a, like actually got me to UCO here in Edmond, uh, uh, just North of Oklahoma City in Oklahoma. And I competed uh, um, running, but they also had a clinic for sitting volleyball. So volleyball has basically three disciplines. There's men and women's beach, men and women's indoor, and then there's uh, men and women's sitting. And I, Within five minutes of this clinic, this head coach of USA Volleyball goes, "Hey, are you uh, you're really good with your hands? Have you ever played?" And I was like, "Well, I played, yeah, a little bit, but nothing organized." Uh, the next, at the end of the that two hours, he said, "Do you want to practice with us in the morning? We'd love to have you just come and see if you like it." And, wow! Uh, at the end of that practice, and said, you have you? no ties to Oklahoma City that nope. at that point. Nope. I mean, and now let's go back. Now I'm a. I just got this great new job as a. Uh, uh, manager i was like the chief flight paramedic at our program started our first remote base with the plans to open more now we have four aircraft your dream the, the, the dream i, I was in, i was in a phd program finishing a clinical um uh, clinical sciences working to you know learn how to ventilate people better and and i gave it all up to head to uh the way i usually tell the story is i went to oklahoma to go get a gold medal and then i usually point at my wife and say she's right there oh god that's for you baby oh marge um, yeah but that's that's what got me. That's, that's what good. made me leave. That's a good move. I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta use that one. Yeah, steal that. Um, don't let. Don't so, let so this Crystal is. See this one. So this is a picture, Lennon. You got that pulled up. So this is a picture um, of you uh, serving, and what 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 what's basically the rules of this? So this is called sitting volleyball. Yep. And you got how many people on each side of the court on each side of the net? Six and six. So, so it's still six. Um, and what's the big difference other than obviously you've got to sit, but what, what's the, some of the big rules? The biggest one is you do, when you make contact with the ball, some part of your trunk, typically you're sitting. So like they call it the cheek rule. When you make contact with the ball, one cheek needs to be on the ground. Now, mm. if you're diving in like some incredible play to try to get a ball up and then you're kind of somewhat flat, like the ref or, you know, they'll, they'll make a call if you were, you just can't like sit up on your knees and run, you know, you have to right. like move with your hands and legs. Um, and so that's the bit, well, the one big one. Now the net of course is smaller, uh, and, and, and the court is more narrow. And so if you think yeah. about it, when, um, some of the guys like Dahlhauser and those guys, when they, when they go to throw a, a jump serve, I mean, that's a lot of momentum. And so there's a lot of power with that. So we don't clearly have jump serves, but the power that we can create that they're serving balls, I think, and I'm, I'm sure I'm going to get this wrong. I I'm pretty sure they hit around 60 60 miles an hour. So 50 or 60 this miles would an be hour. A, a standing regular men's yep. volleyball. Yep. Uh-huh. Um, our guys are clocking 40, but from shorter distance from sitting. So it makes me think like softball, like people think that, well, softball must be easier, but and uh, uh, girls are, they're throwing really hard, but they're like, they're right there. Yeah. So the distance, it, it's a, it almost seems like it's just as that's, fast. That's exactly it. And so it's smaller and more narrow, but, People can hit hard. <laughs> I've got. I got. We were in Egypt competing in a tournament, and I got friggin' smoked in the face because I'm on the line. I'm not much further than me and you, mm-hmm. and uh, the the person didn't close the block, and this guy's wide open and just smokes me in the face. And so it's like, all right, 
Oh and we God. talked about it, like, you're going to close a block's time. Well, they threw it right back to him, and the dude didn't close a block, and I got smoked again. I mean, I'm you, you have to be kind of ready to move because what if it, if they just tip it or something? And so I right. couldn't physically – I'm so close to him. I physically couldn't my hands up. Uh, and this and this guy was – this guy did hit hard. And I was like, close the block. I'm getting my butt kicked out here. Oh, man. <laughs> Do something. So, you're, so your main way of moving around is, is your hands. Yeah. So – you obviously have to have a disability, like you said, to even be in the Paralympics, let, let alone the sport. But not everybody on your team, it, it, I think it might be assumed that, well, you have to be missing an appendage of some sort. But you got guys on the team who who have both their legs, right? Yeah. Yeah. So and their disability doesn't have to be limited to their lower extremities right and so the the way that that works in, in most sports like uh murder ball was a movie about the u.s uh, paralympic rugby team and go watch that mtv films awesome what is it called again murder ball Mur- it's badass murder ball <laughs> yeah so anyway uh what they, just like them and a bunch of team sports like okay so if you're going to have a disabled team well they, you don't want to stack it with people who are just barely disabled right like so if somebody's so in it used to be people like with with acl reconstructions would oh count as a minimal right and we call them minimals and and so the idea there is uh all right we can't stack the team so you, you can only have one minimum uh, one minimal on the court at any time, and you can have two on the roster. Oh, okay. And then, so most of us like who, uh, who determines what's a minimal? There's a committee, and like oh, so okay. we get a competition. So people will try to stack it. There's teams out there that play dirty. I'm not going to be ugly. I never and, knew and, and that. Say those, but yeah, they'll they'll like there was there's one team that had like three or four professionals, ex professionals that had ACL reconstruct. Well, yeah, clearly they they kicked one or two out. <laughs> oh my god! But they tried to get them in, and uh, and but, so so this picture here. This is our um, Olympic picture. This is right before we went to the Olympics or the Paralympics. This is the, what? What is this picture that we're looking at? This picture besides a bunch of badasses. There, there was two. There was two. This picture and that other picture I want to talk about because these are these are very. I don't know how you decided on these, but these are perfect. Uh, this is our Olympic picture. This is our team Olympic team picture right before we went to Rio. Rio. So that was sixteen. Sixteen. Yep. Right. Um, and is that JD over there on the on the on the, the knucklehead front, right front there? Left? Yeah. Yeah. Um, played golf with him. He's super cool. Yeah. Um, and so these, these guys are your, your family. Yep. Like you, you, how much, how, what's the training like? I mean, is this, is this Olympic training? Like you're, you're, this is what you do. You're, you are a Paralympic athlete and this is what you do for a living. So yeah, there's, yeah, absolutely. Especially at first, cause you can't get good until you hit like a certain number of hours. You know, we always talk about mm-hmm. the 10,000 hour mark. Um, and, and th- most people who come into it, you go, you move to Oklahoma and you train full time every day. Oh, no, sorry. You train every day, uh, for a couple hours, uh, two couple hours practice, couple hours lifting and that kind of thing. And, um, uh, and usually you're there for years until you get good enough to be able to compete. I yeah. had been training a little bit from Mississippi and I would go up every month there. We have a national team training camp. And so that's where we show up on a Friday or really on a Thursday and two day practices Friday, two day practices on Saturday and then one big long one on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, we, we all practice together. So it, there's a bunch of people who live there. They're called residents, resident athletes. And, um, and then the rest of us fly in once a month. That's, that's insane. Why is that guy got a white shirt on? See the captain? No, he's our libero. He's a, a defensive specialist in the back. So they wear a different colored jersey. For for every team, yeah. 
Oh. You don't have to what, have what one. What was the word you said? It's libero. Okay. Yep. yep. Is that unique to sitting? Nope. That's uh it's it's relatively new to volleyball over the last maybe like well, I guess twenty years now, but so it's not really too too new. But when I first started it had just kind of come into um like maybe mid two thousands. It really started becoming popular. But basically the you rotate around and so what you're trying to do is trying to put up good um uh matchups. Like if you're a good hitter and the person in front of you is not a good blocker. Perfect. That's a good matchup. So once that hitter goes out to the back row, the libero can just trade out and work the back. So he's a defensive specialist. So he doesn't ever go to the the front. And right. uh, that's kind of one of those major, major dis- differences. Lennon, I, th- I think we have a pull up the video. Oh, yeah, this is it. Go, yeah, go ahead and play that. I'm actually playing middle there. Yeah, this is in Rio. Oh, okay. So JD should have said Jesus, that goes fast. <laughs> and it's narrow, right? It is. And how big is the crowd here? Uh, there's two or three thousand. They're they're cheering. Yep. It just seems so fast. Like oh god. That's, a, a, that's a hell of a volley. Oh. Both teams showing great oh, agility and awareness great. during and an epic sequence of play, which ended in <laughs> the guy who just got that ball, Ben Amon, he we were you know, you and I were chatting about um traumatic brain injuries. He actually was in a motorcycle wreck. He can keep playing it, buddy. Yeah. And um, before this or after this? After this. Oh, okay. So he was in a motorcycle wreck and uh, got a brain injury. Came back and he's he's on a roster. He's still now he he's got some he's got some um you know personality here and there, but uh, yeah. he's a hell of a kid, big fighter, and uh, he he trains full time. And are his China good? Yeah, they're pretty good. Oh, really good recovery oh. by Kremer. Keep that ball in play for the USA. Job, Dan. And still. The rally goes on. Another Kramer. good from the lead broke. That is so again, good job. Kramer, Kramer was on fire uh, this tournament. Kramer's, Kramer's the libero we were talking about. Okay, okay. It's still China, though, looking to take the points. Oh, brilliant. That is so good. Oh, my God. That was a very And we thought we got point. him, and I'm pretty sure we did. I think he got his hand there. But uh, the Yeah, there's a lot of people there. And so uh, this was 16. Correct. And... How far did you guys get? We took eighth. Um, the we we had a I mean, really, eighth in the world. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, mean, and you don't just get to the Olympics. You got to qualify, and you do have to qualify. And that's what that one picture that we had up a minute ago, where I was serving. Right. That picture is so important because we were at this one here. That's in Canada, and we had to. This is based for qualification. This is. The um, the Pan Am Games happen the year before the Olympics, and a lot of times the Pan Am Games are like trial runs for the Olympics. Like they're trying to get the Olympics in that city in, in a decade, and so in the in in the Pan Am Games, that's where that's your last chance to qualify. For us to qualify to go to an Olympics, we have World Championships, and that's two years before the Olympics, and usually top first or second qualifies. Um, and if you don't do that, then you go to like a big regional tournament. And for us, the Pan Am Games is, is what it has been. I think it's just recently changed. But uh, you have to qualify there and by getting gold. So Rio uh, had already – this was the year that it was being hosted in, in Rio. So this is 2015. Mm-hmm. So um, the Brazilian team already qualified just because they're host country. So whoever wins this match goes to the Olympics. 
And it was oh, this. Cool. I think I'm pretty sure so, it was this match. So if you're the host, you you get a buy. Yep. You just get in. That's why, like you know, I, I haven't I haven't trained in a in a year and a half with a team, uh, moving to Mississippi and and you know just trying to set up my family. We, you know, my daughter was born. The uh, I I am I do have an intention to begin. I've already started training actually, um, and uh, at home. And for January, I'll start going back to camps because oh, that's awesome. In uh, in 28, it's in LA. Right, so host country, so everybody's like, including me, coming out of the woodwork to try to make make that team. What a great way to end my career! Oh my god, and it's going to be a lot of work, and I've got to beat people out, you know. And I've yeah, that's that's the tough part, but that's the fun part, you know. So you were here in 2010. What what where was where was 2012? London. And did you guys go to that or we not did. qualify? We, did. we didn't qualify. We. We had a really, really good tournament in uh, Guadalajara, which the Pan Am Games that year was in 2011, was in Guadalajara. And we, we took Brazil to, do we took Brazil to five sets? It was really, really close. Yeah. And they, 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 they inched it out. Oh, man. And that was a heartbreaker. And then so the next thing, the last chance, there's usually one tournament, and I think it was in Cairo that next year. The year of the Olympics, there's one tournament where anybody who hadn't qualified can show up and yeah. battle it out for that last spot, and we didn't win there either. Oh, my God. But the traveling, just the stories that you got to have from from just meeting people and meeting the other teams. I mean, you get to – you get to chat with these other teams when you're when you're around the country, around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, God, man, that's I mean that, that's 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 got that's got to be awesome. It so, definitely made me more worldly. Well, yeah, I mean it's God, that's badass. Tell me about this picture. <laughs> uh, so Marge and I, my wife, uh, lived and, in and, and, the reason, and the reason I'm bringing up this picture is because this is a little. I know that this is a little dive bar. Yeah, and this is about. 1700 feet from where we're sitting right now in, in, in downtown Oklahoma City. It's a very, very small bar. Uh, and I think this bar is, is one of the very unique places in the Midwest part of the United States that has a heavy emphasis on world football and European football. Yeah. Soccer, Big, American, yeah. Americans. Um, but you have a jersey up there yeah. that I've seen. It's right next to the pisser, which uh, the guy who that's that's the best part of the story. But the uh, um, one of the bartender was Aaron, who worked there back when Marge and I lived here, and and we, we this was we'd walk to this bar all the time, loved it, and like you said, it's tiny, it's about the size of this table. I mean, yeah, I think it's that, really small. I think it's like I think there's like forty three. It's like a weird like small number. That's the max, and it's <laughs> it's wedge shaped. Yeah, it used to be a a, a a train station or way station or something. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. And so it's this tiny, tiny bar. Now, um, the uh, I there was a there was a bully here this one particular time, and the uh, didn't know he was a bully at the time. These guys come in. It's evening. We're chatting with the bartender Aaron, and um, the uh, I could tell that you know they, these guys are OSU fans or something. And I I try to make a conversation. I was like, oh hey, well my wife went to OSU, but they, he said something to the effect of, yeah, we were. Um, we're, we're going to be in the suites. Well, I didn't know if that was a bar. I didn't know what that was. I didn't know those were the boxes. He's so full of shit. I, I didn't, I man. So I said to him, I, I so I said, you were antagonizing this guy. 
but that's okay. Dude, that's your role. Yeah. <laughs> I was genuinely, I was just an idiot, really. I was like, I don't know what. So then the guy gets all mad. He's like, oh, you don't think that I can afford the sweets because I wear a t-shirt you know, or something like that. Yeah. So I was like, oh gosh, okay. All right, never mind. And then, but he, because the place is so small, he kept going, like hanging out with his buddies and stuff. And and he kept telling the story and I got I right. fed up and I'm like, all right, I'm out. I'm going to say something. Or I'm going to be ugly or whatever. So I go to the bathroom when I kept, come back. Kept telling the story about the sweets? Yeah, about me. Oh, about with an earshot that I oh, I don't think he could afford this guy. Switch. This guy over here, this freaking guy. Oh, yeah, okay. I got you. So I, I go to the bathroom, and I come back, and one of his buddies, little cronies, is sitting on my chair, and oh, my wife God. is just looking like, just I'm I'm done. I'm out. And then so I was like, Hey, man, can I get my seat back? I'm gonna we're gonna pay, and we'll get out of here. And he goes, Man, that's funny. See your name on it. I'm like, oh, uh. God. <laughs> and I hear. So then I hear him tell the story oh, again, God. and I lose it. And I walk over and I tell my wife, "I'm sorry." I walked over to the guy and I was like, "Man, you me got a problem." I mean, he goes, "What's the problem?" I was like, "I don't know, man. You keep telling the story, and it's keep it's it's apparently important to you. So why don't we and then we walk outside and we'll take care of this." And so he's, "What are we gonna do outside?" And I said, "Well, I mean, we can get a foot race or we can." And his buddy's lost it. I said, "We could fight. We can foot." And, and and I was like, "Oh wait, you are you fast?" And he goes, "I'm pretty fast." And I was like, "Okay." All right. Well, I tell you what, um, you wait right here. And I was pointing at his chest. Uh, I'm going to go get my racing legs. And I'm going to be right back. And I what? just walked out the door. Now, this is where Marge <laughs> normally. must have been like. Oh, oh, yeah. They were like, what, what, what? And Marge is like, <sighs> he actually has racing legs. He's he's pretty fast on him. And you lived just a block away. I, yep, right, I jogged right. up the hill. I got my racing. Oh, no. We had parked. We had dinner at the Mantle. So it was like around the block. I just went around, had my race, my my running legs were in there, and I come back with these things hooked on my so, shoulders. So I keep an umbrella in my car. Uh-huh. You had racing legs in your car. Hunter, if you stay ready, you never have to get ready. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. So Lennon's laughing. So good, because I don't think I make him smile very often. So that's a win. I'll take it. Oh my God. The uh so we were literally raced and there's a video of this. So you did go back and you got your our ra- racing legs like the South African murderer yeah. guy. Yep. Um Pesorius. Yeah. So there there's some type of carbon fiber band. Yep. And it's just sort. curved. It's just made for you to be angled yeah. forward running. So you went and got those. Yep. And came back to the to uh, skinny slims or bar. Yep. And, and oh my God. And then we raced. And now at the top of this hill, the guy said, and it was, you know, the guy says, like, man, I'm really, I'm really sorry. I'm like, hey, man, look, it's fine. Look, here's what's going to happen. Are you a sprinter or are you a long distance guy? He goes, I'm a sprinter. I was like, you're probably going to win. I'm going to try to beat the hell out of you. But let's, let's get this done. I'll go in and buy you guys beers and we'll squash it. And he's like, all right, man. So to the day, on that day, I have yet to get a text message from him just saying, hey, hope you're doing well. And we, uh, we, we, I, when I come in town, I usually call. Well, who him. won the race? He did. Oh God, dude! But it was close. So he was fast. He, he, he took off. But then I started gaining, and he, he had a. So if the race three. was longer, you'd have caught him. I would need probably 100, 150 feet, a little bit, yeah. a little bit more. Oh my! Because I was, I was making good, but he's, he's fast, dude. He was. And so how'd the jersey get there? So Aaron, it was so impressed with this. Like he's like, dude, what? Well, I got it, you know. And I was like, and somehow it came in, uh, like, oh, you're a volleyball player. Well, let's just get a jersey, and that's where. So then the joke was, when I got him the jersey, and of course I, you know, spiked the hell out of life. That was just all volleyball. It has nothing to do with the race, but yeah, uh, he uh, <laughs> put it next to the pisser. Now, That's, truth be told, there's not ins- a lot of room that in insane. that bar. <laughs> yeah, that is the the greatest way to squash a um, 
you know, some drunk dude talking shit in the world. I'm going to go get my racing leg. I'm going to be right back. I'm going to get my racing legs and we'll come back and teach you a lesson. Yep. That's pretty, that's pretty, that's pretty good. Yep. So where does your anatomy end and the cool carbon fiber titanium stuff begin? Oh, it's right there at the end. That, that, that really just wraps around my leg. Um, so you have like a, a shoe. tibia? I do have a tibia. I have no fibula. That's why, like, when you see me walk and, and I, I don't have my cosmetic parts on the prosthetic that give me a calf. Yeah. Uh, it's real skinny because I don't have a fibula. I was born with uh, bilateral fibular hemilia, which we just, I What's hemilia? A uh, lack of. Like, I didn't have a bone. Oh. I didn't have the fib- fibula. I had the tibia, and then the, the distal part of the tibia didn't connect with the bones that were poorly formed uh, in the, in the yeah. ankle. So, so you had feet. I was but, born. I, I actually, you want to talk about, you want to talk about a long game. My dad, you know, my dad's the one that taught me how to get out of situations with humor, you know, and, yeah. and, and, but also stand up for yourself. So that last story was all him, but he had this great long game. This dude for, I, I can remember until I was about in, in uh, second grade, every once in a while, he would just sneak in sloth. They call me sloth. I'm like, what are you? The heck is this? What your, you, your dad? Yeah, yeah. Just sneaking in. He's a sarc- he's sarcastic guy, funny. We I, I love my days. My he was my, he was my hero. I got home from second grade science class, and dad said, "How's how's today, kid?" I was like, "You son of a bitch!" And I mean, he reaches for his belt. Oh <laughs> he's no! Like, What'd you say to me? And I was like, two toed sloth," because I was born with two toes on each foot. Oh he's no! Like, like oh. you just got it after yeah seven seven years. So when did? <laughs> oh my god! So. You, you're you're born without fibulas, yeah. and then you. So you when when do when do they do an operation? Nine months. Nine months. Nine or ten. And months. because they just knew what that you'd never be able to put weight on it, or I would imagine. Was, I mean, like, it's got to be developed to some degree, I think. And but yeah. they didn't want it to develop too much, and I think that's. I mean, I, I'm not a surgeon, and so I don't know for sure. But that's yeah. uh, that would make sense. But um, nine months is when they did it, and. And uh, right after that, I had prosthetics by the time I was 12, 13 months. My mom said I was walking, stumbling around at 12 months. But at uh, they used to <laughs> little prosthetics. There's not they didn't they didn't want to like they didn't know how to fix it to me, how to keep them on. So they like had these like a garter belt type thing that tacked on <laughs> my diapers. Yeah. And there's like so invariably they'd look look down and see a diaper, two garters, and two prosthetics, and no kid. <laughs> I would oh like sneak out of them. And uh, crawl around and yeah. Oh my God. So, so, so then you, that's, that's what you've been used to forever then. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, but some of the other guys in the team have traumatic injuries or yeah. something else that, that, um, you know, disabled them as an adult or something like that. Yeah. Like Kramer, the, uh, the libero, um, mm-hmm. uh, he was an EOD, um, in the Navy and that dude, um, he was he was blown up. I mean, he, he stepped on a mine. No uh, kidding. Yep. This guy. This. I don't want to tell too many of his stories or or put words in his mouth, but he had he had he was ordered to go clear an area and then stepped on a mine and, yeah. and so he remembers a bunch of that. And so I mean, this was this was. I mean, he was probably walking around in Afghanistan when you and I first met. No. And kidding. then like within a couple of years, maybe two or three. I, I, I think it, I, I want to say it was like around 2011 or 12 for his, I'm not sure, but, uh, but sometime around there. Cause like it was in a couple of years and he was on the team. No kidding. So he, it, what he, a badass he is, dude. He is. Uh, I, and I, I hope he doesn't see this because, um, 
the people jokingly call me Doc, you know, yeah. medical and whatever. But he is probably one of the smartest people on our team. He's just no very, kidding. but he keeps it real low key. And so anytime he like speaks up, I invariably will say something like, yeah, yeah, Kramer, but you were trained millions of dollars and you had one job and you messed that up. So, oh, God, <laughs> yeah. that's terrible. And, and he's, well, it, it, the whole Your one disabled, job was to not step on <laughs> and, and, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the whole disabled I'll let you, community, I'll let you guys tell those jokes. Yeah. Well, that's because you're, I'm in the club, I guess, in that particular case. But, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a hell of a dude and, and yeah, one of my favorites. So, so growing up with this disability, did you feel like you had a disability? I remember the day that that I was made aware of it. Um, first grade, I got pushed on the playground, and mm. and I remember crying. I remember not knowing why I was crying, and I remember people laughing. And then I cried more, and, and realized uh, when I went home and talked to my mom and dad that like, all right, well, this is how people are going to be sometimes. And uh, so that's really when I realized that it was different. And so over time, like you know, you deal with it in certain phases of your life the th- the next time that it really started bothering me is when you know I was getting through puberty and and I wanted to look good and I wanted to you know dress okay dress nice and and my always had like this um flexion in my knee so my knee pokes out my butt pokes out the other direction and I have like just this and so I went in college I saw so I never really wore like nice clothes I mean I never really cared because I was like well I'm not going to look at them I and mean, I hate the way that my reflection looks if I were to see you know, when I, when I walk my, uh, you know, a mirror or a, or a glass, you know, window, I went to my prosthetist in when I first got to college and he said, Oh, you walk terrible. First time I see him, I was like, well, you're short and fat. So yeah, we got that. Jesus going Christ. Yeah. That's a nice welcome. Yeah. Thanks buddy. <laughs> uh, but he said, no, I, I mean, I can fix it. And I'm like, sure. I've heard this before. And what he did was he, um, he did something that was different. Like before they would just, wherever my knees were, they would put a, the foot just 90 degrees from the end of the leg. What he did was he, he just took a pylon that came straight from my leg down and then put the foot. So the problem was I couldn't stand in one spot. Like at lunch, um, I would, my elbow would touch one of my buddies and I would literally, I'm leaning on him and it was all low key. And they did that. They let me do that. So I didn't look like I was just, doing this, you know, yeah. standing there. And, because, uh, because it was hard to balance? or My it was heels just were up on the ground. Oh, okay. And so this guy says, you know, all right, well, uh, he said, bring long pants to the, to the when we put them on. And so uh, I brought long pants. He put long pants on, put the legs on, and then he had me stand up, and he's he's got me, and that's what I needed. And he just moved his hands, and immediately I was like, I'm balancing. I am in standing in one spot. I'm not stepping back and forth. And I looked down, and it was the it was the straightest my legs had ever. I, I was balling. And, wow! And the confidence. And how old were you? I was 18. The confidence that that gave me, ugh, mercy. I mean, after that, it seemed like I, I, I never I never like carried around like oh poor me. I mean, I always did what I wanted to do. I played baseball through high school and college, and and did whatever I really wanted to do. But that gave me, yeah, that gave me some confidence. That's good, man. That's good. Yeah. You remember this picture? Oh yeah, this was a good one. This was, uh, um, you know, the charity for for people that are watching the, the the charity that I talk about sometimes that that we started years ago called EMS Success. Uh, this was one of our first fundraisers. This was a Soul Survivor, Soul Survivor um, number two uh, golf tournament that was uh, in remembrance of a couple Eagle Med crashes that happened yeah. here. 
in the in in the Oklahoma City area and raising raising money for them. Um, and then that's GAD from your team, right? Yep, that's um, uh, that's the big. But guy. I mean, you certainly look like you're standing pretty straight there. I mean, they got me. They got me pretty taken care of. And and I put on this tournament, and I thought it was pretty cool. Was. And I said, um, we need to have a prize to like attract people, you know, like a car. Right. Well, I, I couldn't afford a car. How like, much was a car? I, I don't know. I mean, okay. any car. I could. I, I, I suppose you could just put any car out there. You probably could have got a dealership to because those are anyway. But go ahead. I know where you're going. Yeah, but the the so I I did a hole in one. Lennon, do you, you probably don't remember this, do you? You were there. I got a good picture. You ready to get impressed, Lennon? Um, this was up at Lake Hefner, mm-hmm. uh, which is a pretty pretty nice uh, golf course here. You don't remember this? And so this is a this was a big tournament, and and we had a hole in one. Um, we had a couple hole in ones, uh, or a couple of the holes. There were two. Were, were um, have you heard my were, my version of the story? Were the tournaments and. And you're going to tell me that version. Keep going. I just I, no. I, actually, I think the only person that's told me is Brent, the guy standing over there on the yeah. left, who's a good, who's a good buddy and mentor of ours. Um, but no, man, you you tell me your story because, um, I didn't have that insured the right way. Oh, least, really? At least I didn't think that I. I don't think that I did. All right. Well, the but a, but a lot of people don't know. So 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 a lot of people don't know when you when 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 you put a hole in one up. Uh, you know, win five hundred dollars. I think one hole was five hundred dollars. Another one might have been like a thousand dollars because it was a more difficult ten thousand or ten thousand dollar hole and a five hundred because it was like a three hundred yard par three or some, right. some, some something like that. Well, you got to buy insurance through these companies. That makes um, sense. And, but then you got to follow the rules. You got to you know right. if, if it's something that's like five hundred, you just somebody else has to attest to it. And if it's over like a thousand, well, you got to have two people attest to it. And if it's over like ten thousand, you gotta have it on video or something like that. I don't know, and I can't remember what it was, but somewhere I screwed this up. <laughs> and here comes Charlie, far, far away. Tell me you're your, welcome. Tell, you're welcome, tell, tell, me, tell me your version. You're welcome. The um, so first off, I was I'm wearing the Metaflight hat. I was working at Metaflight. Holy Christ! You're wearing the same shirt that you're wearing right now. We talked about this earlier, man. I didn't. I didn't know that you're always going to have this photo up. That uh, I don't know. I played it that day. That's that's awesome. It looks a lot brighter than the photo. It's been a while. Matter of fact, if I turn around, you gotta you'll wash see, that shit in cold water. Dude, there's dude. a there's an iron stain on the back of this. I figured, hopefully, cut that crap out, uh, Lennon. Oh my god. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> so I get off work. You're um, working the desk at the t- at the moment, or maybe you're already out there. I forget. Um, did you play with us in that? I only got to play a little bit because this, right. was, this was the most stressful day of my life running this stuff. Yeah, you busted your ass for this, I remember. Um, so my wife was helping you. She was at the desk. I run in. She hands me the bag. I'm in my flight suit. People are waiting already. <laughs> I change pretty quick. and I they've People have already hit. Now we're waiting on – everybody's already hit. Everybody, right. not just these guys. Everybody in the tournament is hit, waiting on me to rush out. And so I run out to um, – I literally, I run. I get in the cart, and I pull up, and um, they're like, come on, man. We got to go. We got to go. And I'm like, all right. You know, I go up there, and I remember that first swing, whew, and I was like, ah, wasted it. That was a great shot. Damn it. I wasted it. And then so I was like, all right. And I walked up. Boop, 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 boop. Hold. And then Brent yells, dude, this is a $10,000 hole. I lost it and I started running like I've 
well, I've never gotten a hole in one. That was my first. Like I've never won before. You know, they try to try oh, to gone. try to yeah. act like you, you know, you're a winner already. No, I run like an idiot all the way to the hole and I'm like, it's in there. It's in there. Yeah. All right. And then Brent walks up and goes, just kidding. It's $500 hole. Oh man. Now here's the thing. I just got a hole in one and $500 and I felt like somebody stole $9,500 from me, Justin. Oh my God. <laughs> I didn't know that. He never, t- he never told me that. Yeah. And it was um, either him or JD and I, I, I don't, but you got your one. $500, didn't you? I did. I don't it, remember how that worked out, but I know that what you they, said is they, right. They gave me a break because when I filled out the paperwork, like I screwed something up. Oh really? And luckily it was a $500 one. Right. And they, cause I think it cost, Two hundred dollars for the insurance, right. so really they only had to, you know, you know, pay out three hundred or something yeah, like that. But yeah. yeah, that's crazy, man. You hit a hole in one on that day. Yeah, I hit a hole in one in front in in in, in front of, in front of everybody. Yep. Um, who, what was that other pick that was up there, buddy? Pull that back up. What was that last one? Who's that? Oh mercy. Yep. That's my girl. That's a good picture. Yeah. That's downtown Oklahoma City in the background. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think it's at the the beer garden. If I'm not mistaken. I think we Is had it? just gotten back from a big trip. Oh yeah, they're closed now. Somebody bought oh, them, okay. and it's it's something else now. Yeah, that's my wife, Marge. Yeah, and so she's super smart, isn't she? Like a doctor of diet, uh, <laughs> masters. Yeah, yeah. She's a clinical dietitian. She's done uh, the last, uh, I guess, six or seven years. She's done organ trans solid organ transplant as a clinical dietitian. So oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I if, if you need that. a liver or a kidney where she's worked, you've got to she's got to help approve it. I mean, like she that's and the team. So awesome. Yeah, that's she's, so awesome. So you get a that that's a house of of um, intelligence. Uh, yeah, right there and people <laughs> all the time will be like, "Oh, well, don't look, don't watch me eat." She goes, "Well, I'm not on the clock. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm eating with you. You know, she likes she likes good food." Yeah, I bet. Yeah. And so you guys you guys just had a baby. We did not man. not too long ago. Gosh, What's she's that amazing. like? It's different. It's it's different. And uh, at first, I told somebody this recently, and I was like, you know, we the last day they're like, all right, here here you go. And I was like, what do we just we just take it home? Uh, we just, we what just do we? How do we water it? I don't. What do we, oh what do my we do? god! And uh, we got home, and and uh, you just get into the routine, and and it's it's pretty amazing. And then when uh, her name's Isla, Isla Grace, and when. She started to develop a personality. Oh man, it's been like I just fall in love with her every day. It's, Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. Uh, my son's fifteen. But oh, he's how old? How old are you? He's fourteen. Fourteen and a half. I feel the same way about him, even though he's 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 always embarrassed to be around me. That's yeah. why. That's why he's off the camera right now. That's all right. But I feel the same. I I, I feel the same way about him. So you you come here. <laughs> You, you you got your dream job that, as as a, as a flight paramedic in Mississippi, and you say, "I'm going to give all this up, come to Oklahoma City, pursue this gold medal, and the proverbial gold medal as 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 well." Where well, you weren't pursuing that, but you got you found that. Um, but you're not here anymore. Yeah. So what happened? I was working at. Life flight in um, Oklahoma City, which was um, one of the uh, air methods programs of air methods of vendor. And while we were in orientation in Denver, I spoke with the educator there, and I was like, you know, I have this product, I have this company that I started, you know, and I would like to potentially pitch some things or whatever. And so I flew out there again on my own dime to Denver from Oklahoma and 
pitched my course and they bought it for basically a year and a half. And uh, that kind of set me going the direction where, you know, as an educator and what happened there, actually, that was more like a trial run uh, for me. And within a year, I was uh, hired as the clinical education manager, which was one of three national positions. So Air Methods, as they like to say, the largest air medical provider in the world. Mm -hmm plucks you out of Oklahoma City after working at MetaFlight for, what, six months? Uh, it was close. It was maybe nine. Yep. Yeah. And and brings you into Denver to basically be the educator for thousands of yeah. nurses and paramedics across One the, of the United four, States. Yeah. My, my main role was uh, quarterbacking new hire orientation. And then I, I taught Vent. We had one guy that does perfusion one guy that does airway and i was i was the vent guy right and so yeah i went through that i went through that just before you must mm -hmm. have started is yep. when i started there at, at, at air methods mm -hmm. um that's super cool man and so how long were you in denver i know we that's where lennon kind of we were talking about it earlier um we were fans of going there and going to winter park love winter park that's my favorite Dude, yeah. I would be sitting at home working on forty-five stuff minutes. for this. Yeah, and we're there at fifty minutes. I'm, I'm Marge would get up, and uh, this was when I all I did was teach for several years in Denver. We were there to answer your question. We were there about six years, and um, so for until eighteen, I worked at Air Methods until I was uh, two thousand eighteen, and then I asked Marge if I could go off on my own and do my own thing, and that's another long conversation. But um, eventually, I got her to say yes, and I taught on my own. But I would get up. 45 minutes later, I'm at Winter Park, that's, first chair. I'd be back at my desk at one, knocking out work. That's nuts. Dude. It was fun. Was yeah, awesome. we we went we went snowboarding with you that one time, and um, well, that was a that was a that was a fun weekend. That's good. Um, and it's it's just, it's just crazy to think that I mean, every time other times you go to a resort or something like that, or you have to stay in a hotel, but we just came back to your house every day. Yeah. That, that, that was it's awesome. I mean, that, and that was badass. We were just in, we were just in, um, uh, Lake Tahoe for a wedding, mm -hmm. friend's wedding. And uh, all we could keep talking about was like, what would it look like if we moved back? And we might, I mean, who to, knows? To Denver? Mm -hmm. Yeah. We were just there last week for the, or two weeks ago for the Crash and Learn conference. Crash and Learn. You got to yeah. go to that next year. I, yeah. And we I, we don't I, know where it's going to be yet. Well, yeah, I, t I told Tyler, uh, Crystal Folly, I was like, all right. I texted him. I was like, all right, this this sells out. He goes, oh, yeah. I was like, well, get me, give me a, can I get a retainer? <laughs> I want to go next year. Yeah. And uh, if you, if you'll, uh, you know, consider where, how, how do I submit for lecture, you know, and, and there it's, it's, uh, it, it, everybody talks about it. So they're, they're doing a heck of a job, all those guys. Yeah. It was, uh, I mean, you could check out the vlog. It kind of, it kind of tells it, it does tell the full experience. Cause we get into, I know you watched a little bit of earlier, but it gets, it, it really gets into the speakers and, and just the, um, I mean, I don't want to get say it was like a kumbaya thing, but it was, it was certainly, you know, you're so used to going to conferences, which, you know, we've been to hundreds of conferences, really all around the world and and some of them are better than others and mm -hmm. some are pretty cool but um it's all really the same thing i mean you're you're you you don't you don't ever really walk away too much like you just like you've gained something um it's more of like getting information out there mm -hmm. you know like if you're a presenter especially if it's a research-based conference where you're you know look i've published this new stuff and here i'm going to present it to the world so 
knowledge, that knowledge is, is out there and added to the literature. Uh, but, but then those conferences become more about, you know, partying or, um, you know, equipment or something like that, right. you, you know, the, you know, the vendors or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. This conference wasn't like that, man. It was just, um, I would say that 95% of the people that I hung out with there, I met, this is where I met them for the first time. Right. And we're all kind of on the same page. Like we're in the woods. There's no Wi-Fi, and this person's lecturing. I mean, this is, this is husband and wife from Spain. Now they were like ER fellows or something. Came and did this Reboa um, oh, yeah, demonstration, yeah. and just blew everybody's minds away. And everybody who's in the crowd is like, they have yeah. a they have a pen and a. You know what that is, right? Lennon, you know what that is? A pen <laughs> and a piece of paper. It's archaic. And 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 they're writing in these they're 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 feverishly writing down these notes. Um and just walking away, you know, with 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 this knowledge. And it was just, I don't know, it was just epic, dude. So I can't wait. I can't wait for the next one. But anyway, I don't I don't know where it's gonna be uh in the future, but once they publish it, um I encourage everybody to uh uh, get, get after it uh, but anyway so you guys you guys are up there in denver did did you fly part-time up there Mm-mm. while you were there i try to get on a couple places they they really don't uh typically hire part-timers um there and and i i can't hold that against them i i get it but i i didn't want to go to work full-time and yeah. uh i mean i was traveling I, I was traveling two or three times a month for all, all the way through covid for air, for air methods or no, for yourself? For myself. So 2018, I left and I just did my, this, my business. And so what, and so what do we got here? Lennon, you got this pulled up. What, what, this is, uh, medupros.com. Are you ready for your next critical patient? What do we do here at Medupros? So I, I had a company before and now this is the newer rebranded version, but the, um, uh, Medipros, we help prepare people for critical care education. So if, if you are a paramedic out of school that, um, you want to start gearing up towards a critical care role, then you can take, uh, some initial training, which basically gives you a whole lot of content on how to do the job and how to do it right. And if, uh, you're already a critical care paramedic or nurse, then uh, we have a bunch of products that help people keep their edge keep up their certifications, keep up their hours so that they can recertify. Yeah. So you're, and, and you're, and you're prepping people to pass this FPC, this critical care, CFRN, CEN, you're, you're prepping people to pass those exams. Yeah. And I hate, I hate saying prepping. I'm, 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 I'd rather think of them as preparing them to go take care of sick patients. Right. Oh, oh, and by the way, to be validated as a, I don't even know validation is the best word sure. for that, but to validate their their knowledge of this skill set, knowledge. So it's not demonstration, but it's knowledge of the skill set. Then yeah, they they pass the test. And That's so a good way. Some of my put it. yeah, some of my products. Because um, what I've tried to do in the last like four years, because I've built a bunch of new products and and that haven't really released them. I don't like advertising and I don't like, I really just like, I'm usually word of mouth uh, and what people just find, you know, my, my site, but uh, about to pair together with another uh, very smart guy that um, he is kind of, he likes to do all of the, the uh, videos and TikToks and all that. And I'm partnering with him to provide all of the 
essentially the infrastructure of courses and, and this new way to do it. I have this great new way to, to actually make people use the information as opposed mm-hmm. to just get a lecture and then take a test Keep on it, it. Keeping them engaged. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, but, it, but with that comes a balance because there's some people who don't want to click. There's some people who just, you know, they want to, re- they just want to read and test. And some people don't want to do that. And so we've made just a bunch of different products um, that spread, you know, a big span of, of, uh, test taking test prep content you know uh, resharpening options that's so badass london scroll scroll down to the bottom yeah there you go yeah look at all those books i'm a nerd dude good lord this is our newest one we just created i gotta update that the oh maybe we should make have my ecg students in uh, my ecg class so the, on the doctor medic page we we just published a ECG course, ba- a basic oh. type of ECG course. Well, I'll tell you what, um, if, why don't we do this? If you have like, uh, how many people are in the course right now? Oh, I don't know. There's probably a couple dozen. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll send, I'll send each one of them a book if they'll go through and number one, make sure that I don't spell so GUD. And even though there's one of the, the this, this, um, swear engines resource and study guide, mm-hmm. that one, I, I've paid so much money to have people go through and edit it. And that's still one of the things that is a problem <laughs> is that, oh, like, yeah, it's it, crazy. I hate it. And like, uh, cause I am, I'm not good with grammar. I'm not good with spelling. Uh, I want to get the I, content. I got out there. somebody I can send you. Okay. For, for every publication that I've ever done for um, journals. Yeah. Uh, once my work is done, dude, I had to pay um, a professional editor yep well i uh, but, chose but, the wrong but, one but, so i'll take it she's local awesome. and she's so thorough it'll upset you because okay. you'll look <laughs> at something and be you'll be mad because you missed it got it but well. but she'll catch it I, yeah I'll, I'll send you that yeah. um and so these books you can get them on your website can you, you can, they're on amazon as well they are they're cheaper here uh typically and uh but i'm serious about the uh, ecg if they'll if if you're yeah i'll, we, I'll just send 25 copies and or, yeah we could work something out it, yeah, and it and it's a it's a basic ECG. It's just for ECG interpretation. It's it's the the particular class that I do is um, it's a it's a cheap class, it's 70, 75 bucks, and it's um, five hundred rhythms. I mean, there there's four or five lectures, uh, but then there's five hundred rhythms. But as a as a test questions, um, but a vi- a review video for all five hundred. There's 500 videos that go nice. with it. Okay, um, it's kind of daunting. And are, is it just uh, is it lead two or is it 12 lead also? It's just 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 inter- rhythm interpretation. Gotcha, gotcha. There's a separate one coming for for 12 lead, but um, uh, this one's for it's really designed more for you know maybe the entry level paramedic or paramedic student, um, but big time for like EKG techs, mm-hmm. monitoring techs, nurses who are working somewhere who just want to know what the rhythm is that they're looking yep. up up uh, on the screen Re- yep. really more for that good um but anyway this is Very badass cool. dude um and so th- I, I like the the, the hero uh I- addition into into each of the titles so that's a uh, that's super cool the plan is to have uh 12 in the critical care hero series and so right now we're what i've started to do this one actually um uh, I have a second author that I need to fix this this picture, so that's on me. The ECG but, one, yeah. I'm mm-hmm. partnered with uh, his name on on um, TikTok. It's Shade Tree Cardiology. That's the guy that I'm going to be partnering with, and uh, he's he's got I don't know, a quarter million followers. Uh, very very. I have no idea how he. I mean, 
the, what comes out of his mouth. He's amazing medic and very, very smart. And we're actually studying to take the MCAT and try to go to med school. <laughs> um, both, both of you? Yep. All um, right. Yep. The docs at the U have convinced me to 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 do it, and, and I'm like, well, I'm about to be 46. It's like, well, we had a 50. Oh, that doesn't matter. 50, yeah. Dude, I just had a um, – the last graduating class, I just had a uh, – uh, a 66-year-old guy finished paramedic school. He was a lifetime um, – he's been an EMT forever, and he was a respiratory therapist forever, but he's a he's a pastor out in rural Oklahoma. Oh, yeah. And and he uh, – This was – what's his name? No, oh, I can't say his name. Oh, okay. But I know who you're talking about. FERPA. But the uh, – um, oh, But, right. yeah, he finished paramedic school and passed his test on that's the awesome. first try and everything. He was and, one of my students. That's right. That's right. Or can I say that? Well, yeah, you just can't say his name. Okay. Burpa. Burpa. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so speaking of TikTok, this is your TikTok. This is your this is a this is a badass video. Lennon, Lennon, have you probably haven't seen this video, have you? Well, d- well, don't play it yet. So when people check out the aircraft, if 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 you're not a paramedic or nurse and you're and you're listening or watching, um you have to check out your your ambulance at the beginning of the day. Right? Yep. You got to check out your aircraft and you got to go through everything and make sure everything that was there yesterday is is still there now, right? Yep. So it's kind of a daunting thing. Got to do it every single day or yeah. ev- at the beginning of every shift. Um, you don't want to need a, a tool or something or a medicine and then, whoops, I didn't check it this right. morning. <laughs> right. And so you've got a, a caption here um, that says, from a coworker, how you know when swearing in is – do you pronounce the G? Is it uh, swearing in or swearing swe- in? It's swearing in. I knew that. How you know when Swearingen is checking out the equipment in the aircraft? Fire away, buddy. Oh. What in the world? <laughs> You're such a nerd. You're gonna, the, Cooper that, might that, be more that, like Now it. we're going to get a copyright infringement from Eminem for this video. I'm going to have to chop that up. <laughs> That's okay. Sorry, Em. My bad, bro. That, that's okay. It's going to take the income from this video from 42 cents to zero. So that's it. That, that, oh, that. Here, I got a $20 bill. I'll just... <laughs> <laughs> but but that's okay. So that's that that's pretty good. So what, what aircraft is that? That's a... Uh, can we go back? I yeah, think that's yeah, the, play, one, play I think it that's the 145. I'm going to turn it down so I don't get... That's a 135. Okay. Yeah. So I can see the Zoll monitor facing towards the front. So, yeah. Matter of fact, in, in the fact, back, that's the 145. That's the 145 in the, back in, over in, there. in the background. Yeah. Oh, my God. That is so badass. Yeah. The, the, look, they built this um, whole complex and they moved right after COVID. So I got hired end of 21 back to, to air care at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And they had just built like less than a year they've been in this building. But it is a huge building. It's got this massive hangar that you can see. There's two aircraft in there. It could fit three. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, incredible uh, new kind of home. And it, it houses like we the if, if the president or anybody comes in town that's important, like we're attached to their convoy and, and that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. um, pretty badass. Yeah, pull Pull up uh, both of those videos. How come your your picture is not on their website? I don't know. Did you know that? I I knew it wasn't up like maybe six months ago. But oh, pull that pull that website up, buddy. Which one? 
the the one that's a website that you had up for air care. And I also haven't been uh, in. I haven't. Yeah, this one. We haven't taken a picture. I think we're we're due here coming up soon. But this so, was taken after I, I left. So that so the first time. Yeah, this is probably a six year old picture, six or seven. Yeah. So you were in Denver and you were doing your own thing with Veggie Pros, which you're still doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but now you're back in Mississippi. Back in Mississippi, we wanted to come back and <coughs> back where uh, bring, we started. Yep, wanted to come back and. The house is way cheaper in Mississippi than Colorado. We were going to be closer to my family. And um, and so, yeah, that's that's why we came back. And so now in place of the 222, you've got this badass EC-145. Yep. The flagship is at the Jackson base, and that's the 145, the three outlying bases, one in Columbus where uh, MSU is, and we actually go to those games. We actually support like off-duty um, well, we're, we're technically on duty, but we're in our yeah regular gear. And, um, so there's one at Columbus, Mississippi, one in Greenwood, one in Meridian, that, that, that second one that I started in Meridian. Yeah. And so, and those are all 135. And aircraft. so tell us about, tell us about this service, like how it's set up, what model it uses, like hospital base, community base, and what's the makeup of the crew and stuff? So it's a little bit of both. I mean, there's one at the hospital. We've always been hospital-based technically, but then we started putting aircraft out uh, basically because uh, you know, there was other services coming in and you, know, you, you have to compete. compete. Yeah. So uh, we have three out bases, and um, the uh, but we fly. And it, what they can do, it, what we can do in Mississippi is crazy. And I've told uh, people before, like what, like we get paid as nurses. Um, it, like, and that was a, that was a deal that the hospital and n- nursing and, and our medical directors worked out. We get paid as nurses. We get the, um, we, there's, there's no difference in what either of us do the, but you have to be a critical care paramedic. So the critical care paramedic is a one year, uh, college level course that you have to take and pass. And then you have to get the certification. And then from there, you are uh, allowed to do all the critical care level skills that the nurses can do. So that's mm-hmm. that's that was kind of the leverage that they used to stay on equal footing. And in the end, the the things that we can do, like before, I thought I was pretty good at what I did. And I was confident, and I was con- and, and I, I mean, there's a lot of times that we were in bad situations, and and we kept the people alive. Now we carry. We carry blood. We like in my aircraft. We have two liquid plasmas, four uh, pack reds. The um, uh, I, I put in chest tubes probably once a week, maybe once every two weeks, depending. The we get we start a lines and we run those. And so, and, and I remember some of the I was like, gosh, why are we doing all this? I mean, it, every one of those skills I just mentioned and the ones that I haven't mentioned, there's absolute reasons why we do it. We're we're monitored by all of our physicians at this level one hospital and in the end right now if i didn't have if i have somebody that's on a presser that's sick and we don't have an a-line i'm i don't i don't trust i do not trust oscillatory blood pressures no way i do not i mean i rather i there'll be times where if we don't have that i'll pull out and actually use this uh stethoscope and uh sphygmomanometer sphygmomanometer say that, that right? say that word lennon sphygmomanometer in the mic nope. okay well, well clo- yeah, clo- 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 close enough. Um, anyway, it, it's the, the program's awesome. Uh, it's we get to do high level med- and we're responsible. Like they're that if we show up and we haven't done something, I mean, we get in trouble from our guys if not the docs there. Like we're supposed to show up and have almost everything yeah. done that we can. And and so you got single pilot. 
Single pilot. And these IFR. are all IFR. Um, not only are they IFR aircraft, but this program is an IFR program. Correct. They can take IFR flights. Correct. Do they have any approaches to hospitals that are IFR, or are we just IFRing into um, that's not a, that's not a terrible word IFRing, or are we just doing IFR approaches to local small airports and stuff, and then jumping on an ambulance? I can't think of one that we have an IFR approach to a hospital, but we, yeah, so yeah. all that comes into play. <clears throat> all that comes into play if weather's bad and we got to go somewhere and say, okay, we can't break out uh, and go over to the, the the hospital. So either are they stable enough where you can bring them to us or if not, then we need an empty ambulance and we'll go, we'll right. land to the airport, go get them and come back. That's super cool. Yeah. That's and, super cool. And this is a CAMES accredited program yes, sir. and they've been, they've been accredited for some time. Yeah. It wasn't accredited in 2010 when I left. I think they got it. So sometime in between, and it's probably yeah. like in the last five or eight, eight or so years, probably. So these guys have been around for a long time, early eighties. I saw they're one of the first programs in, in, in that area. Um, and that they've flown 16,000 patients in like 40 years. Mm -hmm. And not only have they not had an, a fatal accident, they haven't had a, even a reportable incident <laughs> you know like you're only as good as as your like last flight though right so. right but there's got to be a reason for that right there because there, there there's what, what do you what do you but what do you what do you attribute that to that that safety that safety record we we have a everybody here wants to go take care of sick patients and they want to do all the right stuff somewhere in the mix there was a lot of conversation of if it doesn't feel right, it doesn't look right, we don't go. And let's talk about this out loud. I, the hot dogging that, that, that can happen doesn't, I don't think, uh, or at least in my, in my experience, um, I don't know. There's, but we, it, it's, it's always, we just talk things out really well. And, um, and so you feel like crew resource management is, is, um, accepted and, and that's a that's a part of everyday life there. I don't even think if you were to bring up crew resource management to some of the, I mean, a lot of these guys are very, I mean, most of these guys are very well educated, but I don't even think it, we think of it as crew resource management. It's so embedded and ingrained. Now, again, I'm not trying to say we're a perfect program by any means, sure. um, but I mean, like, I, I think that it's just like we're we're all just real when it comes to that. And if you don't feel good about it, you don't go. And um and, and and the thought pro the, our our pilots are all I mean really really good and you can talk to them you can approach them you can say hey I don't feel good about this uh, I did we we were gonna we we got called out for a flight and there had been thunderstorms all day and then the um there was a recent flight where it, everything started to kind of clear up a little bit they reported that the ceiling had lifted and, and we thought we could go from where we are to the that hospital about 15 minutes away. We took off and I had goggles on. It was at night and I could see, I could see. Then all of a sudden it was like, I can't see, I can't see, I can't see now. I, okay. Hey, right, turn us around. <laughs> and immediately our pilot like pulled up high, got around, got a clearance. We went to the airport. And, so it was a double IMC. Yep. And, at, and, at night. And did, and they called, um, ATC. Yep. They did the whole thing. He, he pulls pitch, he calls and he gets, uh, Go gets a, gets a IFR clearance and fought and files that flight plan to turn around. And we, we were parked at an 
airport. So we went back right. to the airport. I mean, shot at an IFR approach. See, that's just a, you know, I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole, but all uh, so many of the stories that, that we've told on this channel start just like that. But they don't end so well for, for a multitude of reasons. Maybe a lack of that communication that you're talking about, a poor culture, um, or simply not even having the IFR um, expertise or proficiency, or proficiency, I should say, um, to be able to just get out of it like that, especially mm -hmm. with an aircraft where that um, that autopilot can be so easily engaged uh, and stuff like that. And there's so many so many pilots from some of these stories who try to avoid it contacting ATC because then that's going to be a that's going to be an emergency that they declared. Right. And they're going right. to have to do paperwork on it or something like that. It's kind of like a, like a, like the lazy paramedic who doesn't, doesn't want to give morphine to the trauma patient because he doesn't want to fill out the paperwork afterwards. And, right. and, and so that, 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 that might have been scary for you to go through that. But that's exactly, it sounds like exactly how it should be done. It you know? felt good. And, and, you know, we've, I don't know how to say this. There's, there's been times in my career where I was uncomfortable and there was a particular pilot once that I was like, Look, man, I just don't get. And I went to, I went through my chain of command. I went, you know, I jumped over him. I went to the lead pilot, and I was like, "Look, dude, I, I don't have like something concrete other than like these two or three different things that happened. He did everything in the right parameters, but I'm just not feeling it, you know. And 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 I, I'm, I'm not trying to get him fired. I, I'm just, I'm uncomfortable at work, mm -hmm. you know. And and it's one of those things where it's a nice guy, such a good good dying that's what this is what hurt this is what was hard is having to say like i don't know what it is but like and and honestly like some of the things would when you're task saturated kind of like when your character is is being you know pushed to the edge like you know when you're pushed to the edge your character it comes out and i think sometimes with with pilots uh it's in my ignorant you know, uh, experience. I think sometimes like when they're task saturated, that's when if they're a good pilot or a great pilot comes out. And I really, it just, it's, it, he spooked me a couple times. And anyway, long story short, it was, uh, how, and how did they handle that when, they, when you, when you went and chatted about it? Didn't like it. Um, and it was uncomfortable. And in the end it was like, I really appreciate you bringing this up. I wish you'd have done it earlier. And I was like, well, I, we didn't take another flight. I mean, the, the moment that I realized this was a thing, I called, I went through my chain of command, you know, and um, I, 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 he didn't do anything wrong, but there was just a handful of things. It's how he handled the stuff that he did. I don't know. I just, and, and I think that all, there's a lot of us there that, that have those kind of conversations if we have to. And I don't know. I was raised by this. There's, there's about, six people on here that are my mentors back there. And, and, uh, um, I mean, they taught me like, look, if you don't feel comfortable, you got to just go, you got to tell them. And, yeah. and it, it, cause what that'll do is even if it's uncomfortable, then something comes down and now you're just talking better about it. And I think talking is probably one of the key factors, uh, in, in staying safe, making good decisions. Cause everybody's thinking, Everybody's thinking something like they're like I don't feel good about this. Well, I don't know how to articulate. It. Okay, well, just say it though. Say what you th start talking about it. Get get the conversation going, and then maybe somebody like you know what I agree. I think we shouldn't because of X, Y, or Z or something. But I don't know. I mean, no program's perfect, and we're definitely not perfect. But I the I mean I'm, well, I have a, I work with it. A great just team. seems badass. So then pull up, pull up that video. 
of uh, pull up those two videos. This is your one forty five. So badass, dude. She's big. Um, and this this is just one of the promo videos for for you guys. But that's just a huge aircraft. This is your set. Your oh, it's you guys, bigger now. That big MC the MCES where we work now is it's twenty times. Look that. at that. Look that's, at that. There she is. Oh my god. I miss you. Oh my god. This this is an older. Um, did I say early eighties? I think I meant early nineties. Yeah, it was early nineties. Yeah. Right. So there's PHI because you, you, that was your no. Right, that's that's that, our that we used to have PHI was our vendor. And yeah. That is uh, probably the Meridian aircraft. That's the aircraft that yeah. I helped start. And so you guys use Medtrans now? We do. And uh, I, I've heard nothing but good things about them. No, they're great. As, as well. This is so awesome that you I get mean, to PHL be was great too. And I don't know, I honestly don't know the geopolitical issues or whatever, if there are any. But um, we when oh, it came guys, time, we, we got we got uh, Medtrans and they're awesome. And you guys got fuel on the roof. We did. That's 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 been, now we've just moved. And um we are basically uh, across campus, so oh, if we want to okay. go, if we want to go uh, to that, that's the critical care tower where the bottom of it's the ER and first floor surgery and so on and so forth. But if we wanted to go uh, back there, we just take a Kubota or, or one of the vehicles and run over to the ER and hang out. It's about three minutes. I mean, that's just that's the it's the dream, dude. It's it's great. It's awesome. I mean, and, when people say, well, "How you doing?" You literally get to say i'm living the dream that's cheesy we're gonna cut that out no. i'm just kidding so what sports team do you absolutely despise oh wow like like Alabama. And, and i want i don't want to make sure well hold on i said that but i want to make sure you understand what the word despise means to me right, i'm the of definition. the mindset like if the i'm a diehard rays fan there's like six of us out there um but I hate the Red Sox and the Yankees so much. Why? Why do you despise them? Because they're in the same division as the Rays, and I <laughs> yeah. want the Rays to win. Right. And we've had a lot of brawls over the years mm -hmm. with them, especially with Pedro uh, and, and and Yankees and Johnny Gomes. He was such a humble guy. Oh, oh my God. Anyway, so um, this is a, this is a serious question. Who do you just? Which team do you despise? Alabama. Football. Why? Because they compete against LSU, and they've beat them a bunch. They didn't do Nine. very well this weekend against Texas. They didn't. That's right. I also saw an overhead pick. Lenny, can you pull that up? This is their game day pick that they've been getting roasted for online. So, I mean, normally that, that, that thing would be full, but this just happened this weekend. Worst college game day crowds we've, we've seen. What's your favorite animal? Non-human animal. Muskrat. A muskrat? Mm -hmm. Have you even seen a muskrat? <laughs> I don't know, man. Or are you just reaching for straws? I was a straw. Let's, uh, I don't know, man. Um, I mean, I'll, dogs are pretty badass. Okay. But, um, I mean, if we're, I mean, but that's like a, a Fred. If we're going to talk about something, like, like a wolverine is pretty badass. A wolverine? Badass. Angry things. I mean, angry little creatures. Last one. What do you, what scares you the most? Well, now my, every time my daughter like blinks, I think she's getting something caught in her airway. We have three of those, those, um, choker remover 
devices. Oh God, you purchased one of those? Oh, I got three of them, dude. I got one in each car. I mean, it's, I mean, it, that's my fear is her like, and, and she will reach into her little cup and grab a whole handful of Cheerios and quaff the whole friggin' thing. Of course she will. And then like, and she makes those faces and I'm like, well, here we go. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, that, that, <clears throat> that scares me. I think before that, um, if it's, if we're going to talk about something selfish, I mean, just, uh, I want to make sure that I live in a way that would make my parents happy. And we lost my mom a couple years ago and lost my dad 13. And so, uh, you know, when I wake up in the morning, like, all right, what am I going to do today? And I have like a little routine. Uh, that's, it's, it's that stuff. And, and so when I sit and I think about like, well, what, what am I messing up? Um, I usually, it's, it's, it's the fear of, you know, them not being proud of me. Uh, yeah. Never goes away, does it? No. Never goes away. Lennon? Mm. What, what questions you got for Charlie? Yeah, Lennon, what do you got for me? You want to talk about chemiosmotic phosphorylation or anything like that? Holy shit. sure. Okay. Well, it's uh, about metabolism, oxygen and sugar. Actually, do that- you know that we're basically oxygen pimps, Lennon? No. Yeah, your dad and I, it's all we do is sling oxygen. So there's a story that um, uh, metabolism, I like to tell it through a, a, a conjugal visit angle. Define conjugal for lemon. Uh, in jail, if somebody's in jail and uh, married part, part of a married couple and the other person wants to go visit them for some one-on-one time, it's called a conjugal visit. So here's in the In South America, they have to bring their own mattress. I uh, saw that once on that prison show. Yuck. Carry on. So I, I brought up chemiosmotic phosphorylation. That's basically um, we breathe every other moment or so to bring in oxygen because we can't really store oxygen. So uh, we, and, and then we eat every, <clears throat> every several hours or so because that's where we get sugar. Sugar and oxygen are this couple. And oxygen is uh, in or sugar is in a, trapped in a cell. In this case, not a not a prison cell, but more of like a, uh, you know, a, a actual body cell. So we bring in oxygen and oxygen goes into our, our lungs, across our velar capillary membrane, into the red blood cell, pushed around to the tissues, gets into a tissue, finds a, not only a cell, but finds a mitochondria of a cell and goes up, finds sugar and makes sweet, sweet love to it. And heat, water, CO2 and energy pop out. And with every conjugal visit, as gross as it may be, there's a little residue and that CO2, we have to get rid of CO2. Everything we do in emergency medicine is to that end is to basically get oxygen delivered to tissues so those tissues don't go into acidosis. Everything we do, if we give a presser, we're trying to help facilitate that union, which is chemiosmotic phosphorylation in the big textbooks. Everything we do in emergency medicine. So basically, in the end, we're oxygen pimps. Stickers are on the website. Medjupros.com. Lennon. Final question goes to you. What do you got? How does somebody even get to the Olympics? Well, that's Wait, a good you, one. How does buy, one. How does one even get to the Olympics? Just buy a ticket. Oh shit, dude. Um, so the <laughs> if if anybody like when people ask me that, that's a that's a good question. The um, you have to have a vision, man. And I think this is like so. Let's let's not just the Olympics. It's anything that you really want to accomplish that other people really want to accomplish, and now you're in competition. You have to have a vision and you have to know that you're about to pour into this big old bucket of sweat, blood, tears, and sacrifice. <laughs> and 
then you're going to have to pour more into it. And you're going to have to, the sacrifice part is, is the hardest. You have to be willing to give up stuff to get where you're going. That's a physics thing, right? We no, we've never gotten anywhere off this planet or anywhere across the planet without giving up something. Um, and, uh, you ha- you have to be ready for that. So I think that with a vision and a plan, and then you have to, you have to go do it. You have to do the parts that are hard and uh, be ready to be ready to sacrifice. And, and only then that only puts you in close to you, you get close to it. And then you have to just keep reevaluating, revisioning, and that's about it. It's hard. Man, that's well said, brother. Charlie, I appreciate you coming in, brother. We got to do this again. Um, we'll do it again soon. Yeah, man, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. It's been great.